Well, hello there. So, um, like I've said many times throughout my life, most people want to believe they are good, so they'll at least present themselves as desiring to avoid conflict. For example, in a national security strategy for a new century written in 1999, the White House said, in every case, we will consider several critical questions before committing military force. Have we explored or exhausted non-military means that offer a reasonable chance of achieving our goals? Is there a clearly defined achievable mission? Etc. Etc. No one who has paid attention to recent history would believe this process is actually taken seriously. The U.S. does not require an achievable mission, and practically speaking, nothing a government ever does or ever will do needs to be all that clearly defined. So, you know, let's just make that clear right, right out the gate. No, the process of government and maybe society in general, they do not, the processes do not work adequately to ensure positive outcomes all that well, and people need to understand that. To complicate things even more, Many, and probably most, good people are decent, but they are as capable of extreme moral self-delusion as anyone. Not that I'm some great moralist, and that's one of the reasons I hate to talk about morality, because it always makes you sound like a goody-two-shoes, but, you know, let's face it. Um, the, the fact that we're capable of extreme moral self-delusion, that might be called the banality of evil. That's an expression you've probably heard before. Ordinary people often flock to powerful despots, for example. In fact, such figures would not be powerful at all without some popular support and without a willingness to look the other way when they commit atrocities and um, lie to people. So people like Chile's General Pinochet no doubt bragged about having a great vision, but obviously none of that involved achieving human rights. This is why I often cite the all human beings are born free and equal section of Article 1 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. You know, that's one of the basic fundamental points that one can make when addressing any political issue and of course, it's also similar to language that we see in the United States Constitution. Pinochet's regime had killed journalists like Charles Horman and Frank Turugi, both from the United States. And, of course, Pinochet freely accused anyone he did not like of being a communist or a socialist. And, of course, that meant they had to go, you know, either prison or worse in a lot of cases. So often the great gift of, of authoritarianism is to create problems largely out of thin air and to spend time, money, energy, and public resources on destructive rather than relatively constructive things. So instead of a school or a hospital, hey, here's more money for prisons, fighter jets, landmines, and in the olden days, foxholes. Paradoxically, one of the main hallmarks of all totalitarian governments 
is their ability to convince a large proportion of their population that they are actually good. But they have no basis for this belief other than the sheer power that they enforce. As we have seen with the United States, America is great and number one just because it is. You know, yeah, they'll have you thinking, well, no one with a moral compass would think otherwise. We're great because we're American. We're American because we're great. You know, it's, it's just classic circular logic. Still, a lot of these same people who believe that would have us living in some authoritarian nightmare if their ways were fully realized. You know, George Orwell's classic dystopian novel, 1984, described living under totalitarianism like this. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. And of course, that's one of the great lines from 1984, one of the classic images that make it a classic book. But it's also um, not as fantastical an image as one might imagine, because of course, that is actually what authoritarianism ends up looking like. Personally, I would define greatness as not just a good quality of life, or as an ability to, you know, show how powerful you are, but as sustained efforts to achieve greater equality and greater quality, and to take steps to ensure that more and more people can achieve greatness, and not just for one group or another, or even just for themselves, but for humanity as a whole. The greater you are, the more you improve humanity overall, and not just a small segment of it. So, you know, you can call that a utopian ideal, but I think it's practical, actually. And sure enough, the more we have such a society, the more stable life will be, and the more faith, the more faith that we can reasonably place in our institutions and ourselves and each other, you know, whatever they are and whoever we are. And we can reasonably and safe, safely, you know, um, go about our daily lives. There is a relevant quote by William James. He said, our faith is faith in someone else's faith. And in the greatest matters, this is most the case. Our belief in truth itself, for instance, that there is a truth and that our minds are, and it are made for each other. What is it but a passionate affirmation of desire in which our social system backs us up? So that's William James. I think he's pretty accurate right there. Sort of a, a general statement. And that's why, that's why sometimes I like these sort of um, broad general philosophies. So society will never, ever be perfect. People will slip up. Bad events will happen, including bad acts and decisions. And some of these one might consider evil. However, there are most certainly things we can do individually and as a society to minimize the likelihood of terrible things happening. To be fair, even government propaganda probably does some good sometimes to a limited extent. You know, I don't want to be a fool and suggest 
it's 100% evil. It's natural to be skeptical of it, and people should be, but even as someone who criticizes government and authority quite often, I also never want to seem so biased that I think literally every institution and every employee that we consider part of government is sinister. Government propaganda typically helps persuade people that the government is not really there to harm them and, by extension, convinces them that their lives are not in any major or especially immediate danger. Now that can be comforting, and people should not be panicking every step of the way in their daily life, of course, right? We all want to believe that society is organized in a way to reduce challenges that we face and uh, reduce or eliminate hurdles and obstacles to progress and reduce violent crime and antisocial behavior and really make way for a more genuinely free society. Again, uh, it's both idealistic and practical. The problem is that is often a lie and happy comforting imagery to conceal darker truths about government and about ourselves is not healthy. It's not like the flowery, happy ideals and emotions contained in most propaganda are necessarily 100% bad, but the dishonesty behind it always is. And it's not always dishonest, but, you know, let's face it, a lot of the time it is. Not only, not only does it conceal evil, potentially, but the fact that people know it's false, yet must pretend it's true, is also quite damaging. Having to constantly lie about reality and pretend the status quo is working in a truly amazing sense has us fundamentally at odds with reality in a lot of cases, and it creates results that might be likened to brain rot. There are very few people who are capable of blocking, you know, this propaganda from getting to them. So I'm not bold enough to suggest you need to escape propaganda entirely or anything like that. I know it doesn't work like that unless you succeed in becoming a hermit in the hills. But really, your task as a free, intelligent person is to simply apply critical thinking and to understand how to discern between information that challenges authority and certain and uncertain absurd conspiracy theories. You also need, need to understand that, yes, authority is actually not always wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be a rebel and think, oh, uh, I'm against authority and authority is always wrong and it's always evil. Well, I mean, the complicated thing is that, no, it's not always wrong. Sometimes people you do not trust can even tell the truth. And if you look into that, it's called the broken clock rule. You know, the idea that even a broken clock will be correct twice a day. Now, of course, there are some liars and charlatans out there who really put that rule to the test and, and all that, but it's still a general truth. So as the Council of Europe puts it, the significant rise of fake news as propaganda in recent years makes it critical that statements have the or that students have the skills they need to identify truth and discern bias. Exactly. Now, some out there might be like, well, what the hell is the Council of Europe? 
that sounds like a globalist group to me. And okay, you can tap into your inner Alex Jones if you want, but is that statement from them incorrect? No. It's actually dead-on accurate. And the ability to identify and discern bias is important. And anybody saying that is, at least in that little moment, telling a bit of truth. But I think we need a lot more truth and far fewer lies if we really want to climb out of this hole. And hopefully we do that relatively soon, you know, in a more noticeable way. And I really hope things don't get messy as one could possibly, or as messy as one could possibly imagine. So, all right, that's about all I have to say for today. And you have yourself a nice day.